Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. Well, good morning, Centerpoint Church. Welcome those in the house. Welcome to all of those online, wherever you're watching from. We are so thankful that you are tuning in, that you guys are here with us. My name is Bradley Hamilton, and I'm the student pastor here. And before I get going with this morning, I want to tell you a little bit about what's happening next week as we start our brand new Christmas series called Why in the World? Because at the epicenter of the gospel is the idea that God became man. That God would leave heaven, become a man, and then be treated time and time again like less than a man. And the question we have to ask is, why that way? Why would God come like that? So that's what we're going to be talking about. And I just want to encourage you that over this Christmas season, maybe more than ever before, someone is in need of an invite from you. A simple text, 30 seconds of courage to talk to someone, to hand out a card that we're going to give you on the way out to invite someone to one of our services 30 seconds of courage from you could change everything from someone else. And really in this time, that's our heart. And so I would just encourage you, let's invite people to this. Let's gather them around this series because I know that many need to know why in the world God became a man and why Jesus is such a big deal to us. So I'm incredibly excited for the holiday season here at Centerpoint. And it's why I want to talk about what we're going to talk about this morning. Because something happens around the holidays and this sort of happens to all of us where we begin to get reflective. Something happens around Christmas time as we approach a new year where we begin to look at the year past and what we've done and what we've accomplished. And if you're anything like me, and, and I would say most people, you start to reflect on everything that you've done and you always feel like there's something you didn't quite accomplish. You get to the end of the year and you think, man, there were things that I said I was going to do, there were resolutions I made, and those ended in February. And so I want to do something new this year. I want to grow in an area, and I I didn't quite get to see this thing accomplished. And that's why really at the beginning of every year, we tend to do this as Americans. We make resolutions. In fact, I found this statistic that said about 70% of Americans make resolutions every single year. And I think that's a great thing. I think it's a great thing to look at our lives and say, hey, here's where I want to grow. Here's where I want to improve. Here's what I want to change and do differently in the year ahead. Here's the problem. There was a U.S. News and World Report that found that 80% never accomplish them, and a large majority end by mid-February. Now, I'm not going to make you raise your hand and go around the room and talk about the times that you've done this, but I would be willing to bet that almost everyone in the room has had a resolution and it ended mid-February and then year after year after year, it's kind of the same resolution. And so then you look at, maybe I'll word it differently and that'll make me feel better. But all of us get to the end of the year feeling like, I wish there was more. I wish I could accomplish more, do more. And I don't really know what to do next. In this tension, I just want to say, here's why this kind of happens. There's two things. There are some things that are important, right? Now, don't judge my handwriting. There are some things that are important. 
And important things are the things that we know we need to do. The things that we know we need to do. So important things are our health. Like we know we need to take care of ourselves physically, our mental health. We know we need to take care of our mental health, our emotional health. We know we need to take care of that. Important things can be finances. We know that we need to save and budget and, and, and give. Important things are our spouse and our marriage and taking care of our family. Important things are parenting. There are so many important things that we know that we need to do. But then there's also some urgent things. And urgent things are the things that we have to do. Urgent things are paying the bills on time. Urgent things are the repairs to the car or to the house. Urgent things are getting sick and having to take care of that. Urgent things are work. Urgent things are the day-to-day that just have to get done. And here's where most of our resolutions fail. The reason many of us get to a spot where we feel like we did not accomplish the important, and look at that, that's not how you spell that. Hey, listen, I said don't judge me. We're a grace-filled church. The reason we don't accomplish a lot of this is because many of us might say, if we were to sit back at the end of our year and look at our calendar, this is what filled up our calendar. This is what time and time again overcomes the important. If you were to look at an honest list of where your time goes, I think many of us would say, we are spending way too much time in the urgent and not enough in the important. Now, here's the good news, is that this tension that we feel is not a new tension. In fact, if we look in scripture, I want to read a psalm by a guy named David. And David was a guy who was used by God in incredible ways to lead God's people. You could say that he was one of the most used by God people around. And yet we get in the book of Psalms, several of his writings as journals and prayers to God. And in Psalm 39, 4, here's what he says. Lord, remind me of how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and how fleeting my life is. Psalm 39, 4. Now at the surface, that is an incredibly depressing verse, isn't it? In fact, essentially what David is saying is, God, would you show me that my life is short? Would you show me that my life will be over soon? Will you show me that I'm just gonna blink and all of my family's gonna be growing? I'll be at the end of my life. Would you show me that? And why would someone pray a prayer like that to God? It's because David knew, and this is what I hope we can come around this morning, is that when you realize how much time is left, you do more with the time you have. David knew that when you could see time in front of you, when you can remember and realize that time is short and that you don't have a lot left, you will do more with the time that you have. And one year of letting the urgent overcome the important may not be a big deal. But if it happens year after year after year, many of us might wake up one day and realize that we spent so much time on the urgent that we actually missed what's most important. And that there were things that were important in life that we never got to because we were so caught up in the urgent. So I want to do is give us a tool that I think is going to be incredibly helpful for all of us as we step into this next year and really tackle what's important. And so I'm going to actually draw this morning, and I'm not a good drawer either, just like I'm not a good uh, speller or writer. So 
Follow along with me, and here's what I'd actually encourage you to do. If you have something you can draw on, I would encourage you to draw along with me. Let's be in this together. If you have something on your phone that you can kind of draw along with, I would encourage you to do that as well. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to draw a four-quadrant box. So you can do three lines down the middle, three here, just like that. Everyone with me so far? Yeah, this is like art class. (laughs) You picking up the school vibes? Okay, so now what we're going to do in this first one, is we're going to write up the top, urgent. Follow me so far? Over this next one, write not urgent. Okay? And then down the side on this first one, you're going to write important. And then below that, not important. Everyone following? This is hard stuff, I know. Now, this was not created by me. This is the Eisenhower Decision Matrix. This was named after Dwight D. Eisenhower, our 34th president, and he architected the war against the Nazis and against Hitler. And he felt like every single day there were so many decisions that he was having to make come across his desk. And he realized that he needed a way to filter what was most important from what wasn't. And so he sat down, he was actually quoted saying this, what's urgent is rarely important. And what's important is rarely urgent. And so he wanted to sit down and figure out what is a way that we can kind of divide these up and figure out what is important and what is urgent and what are the differences in those. And so we're just gonna walk right through this. This first box are things that are important and they're urgent. They are important, but they are urgent. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say these are crises and deadlines. Crises and deadlines. These are the things that are so important, but they have a timeline to them. So these are the things that we have to do. These are the pipe burst in our house, and we have to fix that because it is very important and it is urgent. This is our kids get sick, and we have to pick them up because it is important and it is urgent. That's the first box. The second one are things that are important, but they're not urgent. And these are what we talked about a moment ago, that they are so important that we grow in these and and live in these, but they don't have a timeline, and so we just don't tend to get to them because they don't seem to be urgent. So in this box, I want you to write long-term plans and goals. Long-term plans and goals. So this is our health. We need to work on it. We know it's important, but it just doesn't seem to have a timeline. This is budgeting and saving and being generous. We know it's important, but it's not always urgent. This is being a good spouse and being a good parent. We know it's important, but it just doesn't always feel urgent. And this next one, things that are not important, but they are urgent. Things that are not important, but are urgent. I'm going to say these are things like most of our email. They are not important, but they claim to be so, so urgent. These are that text from someone that needs a favor that says, hey, text me back immediately. You have to get back to me. Not always important, but super urgent. I'm going to call these interruptions. They often get in the way because they are urgent and we have to respond to them. But at the end of the day, they are just not of a ton of importance. 
And this last one are things that are not important and they are not urgent. Not important or urgent. And I'm just gonna write Instagram. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> now I'm gonna write distractions. We all were like, don't touch my Instagram. No, uh, these, are, these are distractions. They are not important. They are not urgent, but these are Netflix. These are social media. These are video games. These are the things they don't have a ton of importance. We don't need to do them in life, but they also don't have a lot of urgency either. Now, here's the thing. We have... One thousand four hundred and forty-four minutes every day, and you get to choose how to spend that. These minutes go in some of these boxes. Now, it's not bad to have a little bit in everything. Even distractions are not a bad thing. They can be very useful. They can be great. The problem is when we spend the majority of our day, the majority of our time in these other boxes besides quadrant number two we might get to the end of our life and realize that we didn't tackle what was important. And it's too easy to put our time in these other three quadrants when they actually say we should be spending about 80% of our time in quadrant two. 80% of our time should be spent on long-term plans and goals. Here's why we don't do this. There is no immediate payout to spending time in quadrant two. These others do have that. And I'm one of those checklist people. I feel so good when I accomplish something and we get immediate payout from all of these other quadrants. When we fulfill a crisis or fix something like that, we can check it off, next, we're done. When we respond to that email, sent, done. When we watch all five seasons of Breaking Bad, done. <laughs> Knocked it out of the park. We get, long, we get immediate tangible gain from every single one of these except for quadrant number two. Because spending more intentional time with our family, you don't really see that pay off right away. Going on date nights with your spouse over time, you don't see an immediate payoff. Deciding to sit down and build out a budget for your life, no one sees what comes from that immediately. This is why I get so frustrated with working out. I don't know if anyone's with me, but I do really, really good at going to the gym and eating well for two days. And I want to see something different in the mirror. I don't think that's too much to ask. I've worked really hard for these two days. But long-term plans and goals don't happen like that. It is an investment of time over time that will eventually produce what's important in your life. And it's so easy because these feel immediate, these satisfy right away to begin to fill our calendar with the urgent issues over what's important. But I just want to suggest that if we hope to grow in any area that's important in our lives, we have to begin to put first things first in this next year. Here's the other big thing. And don't miss this. If you don't work on what's important now, it becomes urgent. If you don't work on your health today, down the road, a doctor might tell you that now it's urgent. If you don't have date nights consistently with your spouse now, you might get to a place where you're in an urgent situation. 
If you aren't present in your relationships and in your family now, you might get to a day where your presence is urgently required. If we don't do the things now that are important, they will become urgent. The important things now before they become urgent things later. Now, this is not a time, just a time management tool. This is actually incredibly biblical. If you were to read through the Gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're the first four books of kind of the right half, the New Testament of your Bible. And these books were written by disciples, followers of Jesus, who were watching this man live out his life like no one had done before. They were watching people flock to him. And he was performing miracles and he was claiming to be all that God said he would show up to be the Messiah to, to save and redeem people. And so these followers and disciples, after spending time with him, said, we need to investigate. And not just do we need to investigate what's happening with this guy, Jesus, but we need to record it and we need to write it down. And so they set out to account the life and the teachings of Jesus. And if you were to go through and read these four books, here's what you'll see that's crazy about Jesus. Over just three years, Jesus would launch a multi-generational, a multicultural movement that would change the world forever. In just three years, Jesus would, would do something that flipped the entire world upside down, even to the point of where we are talking about him today. And so if you were to look at the life of Jesus and go, how does someone accomplish all of that in three years? What you will see is he spent most of his time in quadrant two. In fact, his disciples used to hate this. His disciples would get so frustrated at this because they would have timelines, they would have urgency, they would have places they needed to be. And Jesus, again and again, you'll read this. He would stop the urgent and talk to someone. He would stop the urgent and care. He would stop the urgent. He would notice people who were in need and he would be generous. He would stop the urgent and he would teach people something that he needed them to understand. Jesus didn't seem to live by this, what's urgent needs to come first and I need to fill my time with distractions mentality. He spent his three years with so much intentionality that he said my long-term plans, these long-term goals, helping people grow and understand who I am, planting churches and raising up leaders, that's got to be the long-term plan and goal. And he spent most of his time in box number two. In fact, I know this was a point of contention between his followers and him because he actually taught on this at one point. And he kind of sat back and he explained why he does what he does. And he's talking to his followers in Matthew 6, 33, and here's what he says. He leaves a section where he says, don't worry about all of these other things because they were worried about being poor and clothes. And he says, listen, here's what's important. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you as well. In other words, if you will put first things first, the other quadrants will fall into place. In fact, if you would seek God's kingdom and his plan, his long-term plan and goal for your life first, the others will fall into their rightful place. So here's what I want us to do. At some point this week, I wanna challenge you to get with someone else. Don't do this alone. Get with someone who can help hold you accountable on this. So this can be your spouse. This can be a close friend or a mentor. But I would encourage you, get alone and figure this out and actually sit down with this and write in some things in these columns. 
Look at where you're spending your time, and maybe some of the things you're spending your time on might feel really important, but they're just urgent. And then I want you to come up with a couple of things that are important for this next year. Not urgent, no timeline, you don't have to do, but you need to do. And that you can place in this important column. And then here's what I want you to do. And guys, this is so incredibly spiritual. I want you to put it in your calendar. Put it in your calendar. It sounds so simple, it sounds so easy, but that is truly what it takes. If we are going to make things not just be long-term plans that we think about, but actually accomplish in life, it is going to take scheduling it. Here's the truth. We say all the time that we don't have enough time for whatever. We make time for the things that we care about. We make time for the things that are important. So often that's just used as an excuse to not take ground on the things that are truly important in life. But what if we flip that upside down and scheduled those things first? What if the first things that went into our calendar are saving and budgeting? What if the first things that went into our calendar are being generous and loving other people? What if the first things in our calendar were the relationships around us in date nights? I think everything would change for us if we just began to put what's first actually first. Now, for those in the room who in this next year, you wanna grow closer to God. Maybe you have a spiritual goal and the spiritual plan of I wanna know more of the Bible or get deeper in community or grow with him. I want to encourage you, it's the same thing. You can still schedule that. You can put time of prayer. You can put time of reading God's word into your calendar. In fact, I would encourage it. Because here's where I get pushed back sometimes on this. You know, yeah, but Bradley, isn't my relationship with God just a relationship? And it's just all organic and it just happens. And if I put something in my calendar and schedule it every day, that just doesn't really make it a relationship because I'm setting time aside. And I would just go, if my wife said to me, I want to have connection time with you. I want to have some time on the calendar that we connect and spend time together. If I looked at her and said, this is just a relationship though. And like, we don't need to schedule that time or set it aside. It'll just kind of happen over time. We'll connect. It doesn't work. Because you know this about all relationships. All relationships take intentionality. They all do. And if you want to thrive and flourish in a relationship, it definitely takes intentionality. And the same is true with our relationship with God. We often use that as kind of an excuse to just not invest in the relationship with him. And yet we could actually schedule some time Maybe some of you need to literally put first things first, and as soon as you get up, spend 15 minutes with him. Just before you start your day, before you get on Instagram, before every other thought floods your mind, to actually give him what's first and to spend time with him, I think that would change your year. What does it look like to schedule a relationship with God? Here's the deal. At the end of the day, if you want everything to stay the same as it did last year, then disregard everything I just said. But if there's somewhere that you want to grow, if there's something that God's put on your heart that you want to take ground in, if there's something as you're reflecting that you realize this next year needs to look a little bit different, we have got to put first things first. Now, I want to talk to some of you in the room or some of you watching online. And even as you walked in the doors of a church, you feel like a reset, a restart for you isn't possible. That you feel like this idea of, of growing your relationship with God is too far gone for you because you've walked too far away. That you've done too much and that you are too far and that there is no reset for you. And you would say, Bradley, I get all that. That's great. But God doesn't want me. 
Can I just encourage you by something that Paul wrote in Corinthians 5.17? Paul writes, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Now, Paul, we know him as this great church planter, this hero of the faith. He wrote most of the New Testament of our Bible to the different churches that he was teaching and leading, but Paul didn't start there. In fact, Paul was known for murdering Christians before he was known as a church planter. And he made it his life mission to end the lives of anyone who would claim the name of Jesus and chase after him. And then Paul has this moment where he meets Jesus after Jesus died, which would make any of us rethink our relationship with Jesus. And so he begins to follow and pursue after Jesus. And if there was anyone who could claim the grace of Jesus, it was Paul. If there was anyone who felt like they would walk too far away or were too far gone, it was Paul. And I just want to suggest that if you were to sit down with Paul and you were to tell him your story and why you couldn't be used by Jesus and why you can't be saved, Paul would laugh. He would laugh and he would say, no, you don't understand. And if that's how you feel, you don't understand the good news of Jesus. Because if you are not dead, God is not done with you. And God can use people more than, Paul was one of the greatest heroes of the faith with one of the worst past. And so I just have to be honest, you cannot look at me this morning and say, but Bradley, I've done too much. I can't get it right now. There's no turning around now. I'm, I'm too old. I'm too young, whatever it is. I would ask you, will you pick up hope again? Would you truly believe what Brian said earlier, that the best is yet to come? Because I believe, church, that this next year can be and will be your best year that God is for you, that God wants to use you, that God is not done because you've messed up. In fact, God can use what the enemy wanted to use against us and our mistakes for his good. I've just got to put first things first. And so if that's you and you're watching online, or you're in the room, I just want to encourage you, would you text CC Decide to 94,000? with whatever questions you have around following Jesus or if you want to take that step maybe for the first time or, or if you want to kind of take that step again because you're figuring this out, we would just love to connect with you, know how to best walk alongside of you because here's the truth, you are not alone. Don't believe that lie. Even if you are watching alone by yourself, you are not alone. You have a church family who is for you, who is behind you and who wants to walk this journey with you. And you're not too far gone. And I even want to ask some of you in the room, you're following after Jesus, but you still haven't forgiven yourself. And there are some things that you're holding on to that Jesus has already forgiven you for. And time and time again, it prevents you from stepping into the next that God has for you because you're still chained to your past. And so I want to ask for some of you, I don't know who this is for, but you need to forgive yourself for what Jesus has already done. Because you're a new creation. He died for your sins, past, present, and future. I want to close and, and just pray together. And I know that stepping into a year like the year that we've had, that there are many who are discouraged, there are many that are hurting, there are many who feel like there's nowhere to go at this point. And I just want to pray together. 
that God would do something incredible in this next season. That God would, would show us that the best is yet to come. And that he would build a family here at Center Point Church, wherever you're watching from, of people who are holding on to hope and excited about what's next. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for your forgiveness. That we are made new, that we are new creations. God, I pray for the person right now struggling to let go of the idea that you, they are forgiven. That you would remind them of that so clearly. And that God, for all of us, we can sit back and evaluate this year and figure out what are the areas that you want us to grow? What are the, what's the ground that you want us to take? Would you help us to do that? Would you help us to have the boldness to begin and to take that first step, maybe today? God, we know the best is yet to come. We love you. It's your name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.